Welcome to the Brighter Side of Ed podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Richardson-Hassler, here to enlighten and brighten the classrooms in America through focused conversation on important topics in education. In each episode, I discuss problems we as teachers and parents are facing and what people are doing in their communities to fix it. What are the variables and how do we duplicate it to maximize student outcomes? In this episode, I focus on culture as a variable. Educating the young black girl is becoming an increasing problem for American educators. The black girl is characterized as sassy, aggressive, bossy, and disrespectful. Now, because of these perceptions, they often are subjected to more frequent and harsher disciplinary actions. From kindergarten through their senior year in high school, black girls are seven times more likely to be suspended than white girls and four times more likely to be arrested at school. As early as preschool, black girls accounted for 54% of all girls suspended, despite being only 20% of the girls enrolled. This came from our our guest study. Um, Here to discuss more about the topic of black girls in American educational system is Dr. Hyacinth Dwyer. She has examined the experiences of the black girl in the K-12 public school system in her study, Education and the Black Girl and determined effective strategies that teachers can use to better meet her needs for success. Welcome to the show, Hyacinth. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm Beautiful good. Saturday morning. Yes, it is. <laughs> Bright and early. It is. So just to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to study Black girl ex- school experiences? So, Lisa, my personal experiences as a black girl in the public education system have led me to know that I must always be true to who I am. The purpose of my study was to examine the experiences of the black girl in the United States K-12 public school system. I used the information I gathered to determine effective strategies teachers can use to establish productive educational relationships with the black girl. During this time, my experiences were based on responses, personal relationships, personal attitudes, and personalities about who I was in the classroom and the learning environment. My experiences in the classroom were not limited to biases and or rich experiences. So as I grew older, I started to develop a sense of intuition of how I needed to be within the classroom environment. Sometimes this was based on how the teacher's attitudes and or beliefs or even actions were toward me and how they talked to me or how they even treated me in the learning environment. The study was really, was really basically learning how the black female can be better educated in the United States throughout this educational system. And so how did, how did you conduct this study and what did you find? So I investigated the black girl high school graduates perception of mm-hmm. their K through 12 education. I also investigated the perceptions of teachers of black girls. And then I was able to find that there was, I actually found that there was a disconnect between the perceptions of the support teachers said they provided black girls and the perceptions of how they were actually treated. Using the data, I discovered that 100% of the teachers felt that they were confident in teaching black girls and provided a classroom environment that supported the emotional and social needs of a black girl. However, 
the high school graduates disagreed that their classroom experiences met their emotional and social emotion, social needs. My data also showed that 75% of the graduates felt that their teachers did not meet their individual needs, and 100% of them felt that the teacher did not have inclusive activities that made them feel important. The data showed that only 50% of the graduates felt that they had an opportunity to have their voice heard in the learning environment. All high school graduates in my study identified their academic success was based on family expectations of completing high school. Like what was the percentage of the graduate that did not agree with that? Yes, 75% of the girls or the graduates, I should say, did not feel that the teachers did not meet their individual needs. That's and huge. Yes, that is very huge. And 100% of them felt that teachers did not even have inclusive activities so that they were that they felt that they were a part of an inclusive environment or if it met their needs educational, whether it met their needs socially, emotionally, or even just having a voice inside of the learning environment. That was the disconnect between what the teachers felt that they were able to um, deliver in their instruction and what the girls or the high school, I should say, the high school graduates didn't feel that they received. So now based off of this, I'm just thinking now we're going back to the beginning of of how the, the problem with the, the disconnect and how we have that high amount of um, suspension rates and behavioral problems. Do you feel as though that disconnects? So teachers are thinking, yes, I'm providing this. And then the reality is, you know, um, we do have, um, regardless of the feelings of one way or another, like the, the different perceptions of whether or not they were meeting the needs, um, you know, from the teacher's perspective and from the student's perspective. The reality is that there is a high number of suspensions and behavioral referrals. So there there is a disconnect. And we can see that based on the the infractions. So, um, so do you think that that's, that's the, really the big problem is as to why we have so many of these suspensions and behavioral problems is because of that disconnect. I think the disconnect is the, the problem. However, the disconnect comes from the perception of what teachers feel that the Mm -hmm. black girl is capable of doing or what they feel that the black girl is allowing herself to do. That is the key here. The, the disconnect is not so much that it's a disconnect because of communication. I feel that throughout this study, I was able to see it mirror my own personal experiences of perception of what the teacher felt that I was able to do. So we both know that in learning environments, perception, teachers' perceptions of what their students can do or the perception of what their, their children bring to the classroom, we actually act upon that. Now, that may be sometimes a personal bias. That may sometimes be um, something that that is unknown. Sometimes that just Mm -hmm. may be um, a a thought or even something that was told to us prior to us receiving students. Because we know, we both know in learning environments, when we receive students, we kind of go get the bike stories of students. And sometimes that may tend to distort our thought process about where our students are capable of. However, for the black girl, perceptions sometimes diminish her capability or even diminish her ability to be a part in an inclusive environment where she feels included or maybe where even she feels that she can participate or achieve achieve any mastery in these classroom environments. 
So when we when we talk about perception of the black girl, we must first understand the teachers who are in front of them. We must understand mm-hmm. the, the ability and the and the capability of what the teacher is able to do. And we also mm-hmm. must understand what the teacher what experiences that the teachers bring to teaching black girls. Because even though we think that we may have an inclusive environment, because as stated before, this this study showed that the black girls who are being taught felt that they were not in an inclusive environment. Right. They were not. And, and you know, that kind of goes back to, you know, there's always the the teacher's expectations. Children live up to a teacher's expectations. If you have high if you have high bars for your students and you believe, hey, this is my bar, everyone can do it. I believe that you can do that. Children rise to those, they rise to the occasion, they rise to your expectations. And if a teacher comes in with these lower expectations, they're going to meet that low expectation, you know? So I really feel like there's a lot of value to what you're saying is that we need to be able to have high expectations for all of our students because whether or not we're saying them verbally, they can feel it and they know what we expect out of them based on. uh, Yeah. And so that's really important. And that's, that's an important note to take because as a classroom teacher myself or an educator of black girls myself, the first thing that I have to recognize that they are not all alike. They all have a commonality, but they have different needs. And I cannot always group them together and say, oh, all of my black girls in my classroom, are they're going to have the same likes. They're going to have the same dislikes. They all have the same attitude. They all have the same personalities. That's what makes black girls unique. They have different needs that need to be met. And as a black female myself and also as a black educator, I must understand that their needs are not the same as my needs. Their needs weren't the same as my needs when I was in their shoes or and when I was in front of the, the teacher or when the right. teachers were in front of me. So times have changed. And in the society that we're living in now, the, the needs of black girls may have some commonalities, but we need to meet them where they are. And that is what makes an inclusive classroom works. That's what makes an inclusive classroom dynamic. That's what makes an inclusive classroom for the black girl achievable. Now, you talked a little bit about your experience as being um, a black girl in the American educational system and how your your experience is not necessarily going to be the experience of of students now, but it did shape and impact you to be able to come to this study. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about like what were your experiences that that led you to want to study the black girl in in, um, American education system? Well, the first experience was being a black girl myself, right? Yeah. Um, as my, my experience is a little different than most young girls that I see today. Um, my experience was that I had that particular mother who believed in the fancy bows and the well-dressed and the white tennis shoes. And, you know, that's the first, that's the first perception of me. Right. So now when you see this little black girl, she's all cute. Her hair is done. She has the fancy bows, her socks match her bow, her socks and her bows match her outfit. She's going to be perceived as this little girl, this cute little girl who's going to come in, who's going to follow directions, who has it all together, who doesn't need Mm -hmm. anything. She's going to do whatever she's supposed to do. And she's going to uh, perform based on what she looks like. Today, that may look a little different because of the fight that there are times that we also receive students or 
even the black girl who may not have that fancy bow, who may not have the fancy socks, who may not have the matching, the matching shirt with the matching bow and the cute little backpack and the cute little, those things make a difference. However, we must know that although our perception of what we see sometimes distort what we know and what we come to believe, we must know that we have to meet them where they are. And we have to make them feel included in the environment. So experiences and perceptions go hand in hand sometimes. And sometimes depending on what the teacher knows and what she brings or he brings or the educator brings to the environment, it will help determine her path. It will help determine how she is able to, like you said, rise to the standard, rise to that expectation, rise to the occasion and be able to perform in an environment that accepts her for who she is, not only for who she is, but her voice, her thoughts, her creativity, her, her ability to express and give her and give her thoughts and be able to understand how that environment will lead to that achievement. In your study, you talked about how educators often look at um, black girls um, differently. Did you want to talk a little bit about that lens so according to Watson in 2016, who did this study, he also also state, stated that educators often look at black girls using a deficit lens. They focus on what the girls do not have instead of looking at their strengths. And that's basically what I was talking about in my experience, your, 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 your perception of who I am and what you see in front of you. Sometimes it, you need to look a little deeper in what they actually need and how to meet their strengths and their weaknesses, because that expectation It's not just about the weaknesses. The expectation is also about how you can strengthen her and how you can strengthen any young black girl that comes in your environment and how you can help them achieve academic success and help promote them beyond the classroom. Because at the end of all of this educational journey, this is an educational journey. And this journey is about helping her grow, helping her elevate, helping her achieve success beyond the classroom environment. And it starts with the people who are in front of her every day. And that's the educator. The educator has a responsibility to help her achieve that success. So that lens that we're talking about, it can't be finite. It can't just be single. It can't just be one eye view. It has to be a multidimensional view of how to reach her, how to help her get to the next level. Kind of reminds me of that glass half full, glass half um, empty yes. kind of a thing. It's like how we perceive something, it gives us the mindset of positivity or negativity. And if you're going in with a deficit lens saying this student doesn't have this or lacks this or doesn't do this, you're looking at it as the glass half empty, a very negative perception versus what are what are her strengths? What does she have that's that's great? And then we're meeting her where she is. And Mm -hmm. we're moving forward to get that high Mm -hmm. bar of achievement. I expect to be able to pull her up to here because she's already here. So that's, you know, looking at the strengths and then having those high goals, that high bar of achievement, um, I feel like is going to be the way that that teachers need to be coming into the classroom. And and hopefully a lot of them are. And I think from your study, it it sounds like some of us think that we are and Mm -hmm. we're really not. So maybe Mm -hmm. we need to have some reflection on ourselves as a teacher to say, am I doing that deficit lens? Do I come into my classroom and look at my students like this? 
And is that hurting them or helping them? And and how do I need to change the way I'm walking in? What are my biases and my perceptions? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we and it goes back to grouping and, and the characterizations of how black girls are viewed as aggressive, mm-hmm. as disrespectful, as irresponsible, as lazy. When we when we've have had experiences with young black girls, and sometimes it's either positive and or negative, and because we may have had a negative experience, we want to continue to have that one lens view to say that they're all that way. Well, sometimes we fall into a grouping of believing that, well, that was the way that I had that previous experience, and this is how they're going to be, or be based on their social economic status, or based on their their reading level, or based on just the way that they look. A lot of times, that deficit lens is different for each educator, and sometimes, like you said before, is it helping or is it harming? And a lot of times, when we characterize young black girls based on a perception or a bias, it's harming by defeating the purpose of educating her. Well, and that kind of goes back to like when you're talking about um, the the research that was showing the high levels of expulsion, the suspension, the um, coming out of the classroom, even to go talk to the principal because of um, behavior or even like dress code infractions that were in your thing, which I, I kind of, I was surprised by that. And, and you, you think about like, are we har- are we helping or, or harming the student when we continually take them out of the classroom for behavioral problems when then what we're doing is, in the end, taking them away from the lessons and the education that they need to be learning, which is causing them to become more behind because now they're missing the content. And then how do we expect them to have that knowledge when they come back into the classroom? So removing them from the classroom is actually harming them academically. It's not, right. it's not helping them. So... And it can also be actually harming them emotionally and socially yeah. because it, it leads to isolation. It leads to bitterness. It leads to resentment. And then that's where she starts to sometimes develop a sense of aggressiveness and not necessarily out of a bad way or a good way, but of a survival. She's, she's basically in a survival mode of being defensive because like you said about a dress code, sometimes those things are subjective. Those are things that can be helped within the classroom setting. If it's something as simple as if she doesn't have a belt in her pants, that's something that can be fixed within the classroom setting. That can be something that something as simple as she doesn't have on the right shirt, something that can be simply fixed by either a suggestion of getting the right color shirt or you providing that shirt or finding a way to provide her that or necessarily making a phone call home and making sure that she has the correct shirt on. Whereas if you send her to the office to talk to the principal about something that she, that is beyond her control, she doesn't have any control, you know, as far as what she's able to wear sometimes because she's a young girl, right? However, it, it, it starts to develop a sense of she's done something wrong, right? Something that's beyond her control. She's done something wrong. So she starts to develop this sense of survival within the classroom. And sometimes that delete that that leads to those type of characteristic behaviors that looks aggressive, that looks disrespectful, that looks where she's only trying to be trying to be a part of a learning environment. 
Right. And that, that built up frustration comes out as we right. could understand from any child that's being, um, that feels as though there's something out of their control. And so, mm-hmm. and, but I'm in an environment I can't control. And so it gets very frustrating. And now I'm, I'm being, I'm getting in trouble for it. And I, I really can't control that part. So, um, so that it bubbles out in that frustration, which, which can lead to, um, you know, like what you were saying, the sassiness or disrespectfulness and really it, Absolutely. it stems from a, um, a frustration of not being in control of your own environment and um, being listened to. I think that's really important to have teachers um, have that bond, that connection and listening to their students. And like you said, responding in a way that just seems um, a little bit more um, conducive to the learning environment where, okay, here's a problem. Let's, let's fix that problem and move on um, and not make it um, an, a, as big of a behavioral infraction as it needs to. I mean, you and I have been in, in positions in the classroom when we know that um, you can, can you can confront a situation or you can be a partner in solving that. And so how you do, how you handle your words and your behavior is simple as calling someone out in front of their environment. There was one of your studies where you're saying like they um the teacher had a student call her parents in front of the entire classroom. And those are, those are things that can escalate a situation versus just um, a Mm -hmm. simple uh, solution that could have been handled privately um, with a little bit more tact. And just think about if you were that student or that young, that young lady in front of your classroom and you did something that you didn't know was completely wrong and your teacher called, in front of your classmates, in front of your peers, because peer pressure, now we're talking about peer pressure. We're talking about that social setting, that social environment where she's, where she's trying to acclimate herself to become a part of. Think about how you now feel when your parents are called in front of the class. And it's not necessarily a a need, but it becomes embarrassment. Not only does it become embarrassment, it becomes devastating to who she really is. It, it, def- it starts to define that she is a problem in the classroom because now she's been, she's been noticed. She's been, she's been recognized as the problem. I had to stop my learning environment. That's the thinking. I had to mm-hmm. stop my learning environment to call your parents to get this problem solved right now. Now you have lost her socially. You have lost her emotionally and you have lost her academically. So what, what kind of recommendations do you have for teachers? So I do think that there are some specific recommendations that teachers can follow. I believe that what I, what I decided that I would recommend after doing this research and after, you know, reviewing some of the information, like you said, from the, the um, participants in the study, the policy, a policy that requires educators to participate in professional development opportunities that will provide them with successful strategies that will let black girls be successful in her academic journey. The training will focus on understanding black girls, social and emotional well-being, her behavioral response mechanisms and how to communicate effectively with the black girl and how to use culturally responsive instruction materials. That's very important. Though this policy, I also seek to create schools with educators who are competent and committed to embracing culturally relevant instruction as a philosophy and process to establish an inclusive culture where focus on the academic success of the black girl. I also think I want teachers 
I want teachers of black girls to have an inner sense of understanding the girl power of a black girl. I want the teachers to know that they have the ability to teach the black girl to her potential and beyond what the black girl ever thought she could be. And that goes back to having that inner relationship and that that ability to reach her, to reach her strengths, to promote her and to elevate her beyond her current situation or circumstances so that she can achieve academic success. Yeah. Well, bravo. That, that definitely, I think that that's something that needs to be instilled. And that's just, that's just good teaching. I don't, I, that's not even like it would only um, benefit the black girl. I think that benefits every student. And yes. so I think mm-hmm. we need to be um, culturally sensitive, but also focus on what are the needs of the black girl because you want to build that connection because ultimately her success is your success. And so I think we need to understand that we're on the same team here. Where, um, where do you see yourself taking this? I had heard that you were talking about a book, maybe a documentary. <laughs> well, right now, um, I'm taking one step at a time, one day at a time, one breath at a time, really, right? <laughs> um, yeah. However, I think because of the, the ever-changing um, society and the things that's so global and media is such a big, a big, a big um, impression of all of us. Because there are so many books about black girls and how they relate and how they're treated and what we want and our goals and our ambitions and our achievements. I think it, I think this, this deserves a visual story now. And I do think that I want to take this in a documentary where it's the voice of the black girl and how she's able to tell this story in real time. So I, my, my thought process is to take younger girls and give them the opportunity to express how they're feeling now and compare and contrast that to black women in their professional and educational journey and how that looks as if they're mirroring those same experiences. So that's my thought process now. Not to say that there won't be a book. I do feel that I will get to writing children's books because that's what I really want to do. I want Mm -hmm. to write children's books because I think we need more visual um, A's when we talk about cultural instruction, I think that needs to be a part of, but it needs to be almost children books for teachers and educators, not necessarily that of mm. children, but children's books that teachers can actually read to kind of get that impression or that intuition of how black girls feel. Oh, I like, like in be- real time voice, you know? Yeah. So, And that's something that maybe that can be um, that bridge that you talk about where there's that disconnect that maybe teachers can be using um, those books to be more um, culturally aware and sensitive and bring that culturally sensitive material into the classroom to be more inclusive to the black girl. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a phrase that you've said before, um, what? Okay, and I got to ask this. What is black girl magic? So black girl magic is the ability to take no and turn it into yes. It <laughs> is. It is the power of voice. It is the power of knowing that you can do anything that you set your mind to do that you were told that you could not do. Black girl magic is actually a universal language to say, I can do that too. 
I like it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so before we leave, there's one last question. Um, what advice would you give to a parent of a black girl currently struggling in her school environment? As a black woman now and mm-hmm. as a mother, not necessarily of a black girl, but as a mother, if I had that daughter, I would tell my young black girl self, myself, your voice matter and you are important. That's what black mothers or parents of a young black girls should tell their daughters. They have a voice. It matters. Their expression matters. Their creativity matters. Their imagination matters. Their thoughts matter. Their hearts matters. Because it all starts with knowing on the inside and what you believe in your heart that you can do. We're talking about going back to that black girl magic. Yeah. When you're being told that you can do something or when you're being told that you have the power to do that, it makes a difference in building her confidence. It makes a difference in building her her ability and giving her the 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 inspiration and the courage to try, the courage to express, the the courage to achieve and the courage to fail. Because we all know that everything is not successful. Sometimes you have to fail to be successful at something. Not be afraid to fail and get right back up and do it all over again until you meet that success. I like it. All right. Well, as Evan Winters and um, Esposito in 2010 explained, I'm taking this from your study, Dr. Mm -hmm. Dyer, there is a need for more scholarship in the field of education that looks at the educational experiences and schooling processes of African-American girls. The education of all children must be an equitable opportunity to ensure that they will be able to achieve their personal best. The black girl is no exception to that promise. The effectiveness of American education relies upon recognizing that her identity is based on who she is, not what educators perceive her to be. Thank you, Dr. Hyacinth Dyer, for joining me today to talk about this important topic of the Black Girl in Education and the steps we need to take to improve our schools. If you have a story about what's working in your schools and you'd like to share, please email me at drlisarichardsonhassler at gmail.com or visit my website at www.drlisarhassler.com and send me a message. It is the mission of this podcast to shine light on the good in education so that it spreads, affecting positive change in schools. So let's keep working together to find solutions that focus on our students' success.